We are live. And I, I learned today I have to ask your permission to record this call. Do I have your permission to record this call? <laughs> yeah, I guess. Maybe. Okay, great. Thank sure. you. Virginia law requires. I learned that today. Okay, guys, I have a question of the day for you guys. Yes. If you could self-quarantine anywhere in the world that's not where you currently are, where would you self-quarantine? Are you talking about a country or like a, an apartment somewhere else? It could be <laughs> it, I, any, of, any of the above. I would have an apartment somewhere else because it's a different country. Who gives a shit? You can't go anywhere. Yeah, like nothing's better anywhere else, but... <laughs> I would go in Glen Arbor, Michigan because it's the most beautiful place I've ever been. That's just like outdoorsy and, and nice. So, Mary Haley, if you're listening to this, your house in Glen Arbor, Michigan. Aw, what a compliment. <laughs> I would have I thought you'd pick like a movie theater or something. Oh, Interesting. Well, I didn't think it could be a place where I couldn't actually live. Who says you can't live in a movie theater? It's got everything you need. It's got toilets. It's got a place to lay down, and it's got popcorn. Okay, so that's close that music box theater. I get to choose the movies. <laughs> I need wine to drink and popcorn to eat in a movie in front of my face, and that's all I need. <laughs> Charles Dickens. True paradise. <laughs> Devin, how about you? <laughs> Kelsey's got it. Um, I would stop quarantine at my gym, and then I would put with like lots of food that I brought. Lots of food like, that you brought? Yeah, well, because there's no kitchen in my gym. <laughs> yeah, fair. Okay, your answer? Oh, your answer. my answer is obvious. It's San Antonio, Texas. I would be in Steph's apartment. That's yeah. where I'd rather be right now. Anyway, hey, everybody, you're listening to Crime & Co. The podcast for triplet sisters, speed talk, true crime. And drink. We're here to remind you that Sunday scaries are no big deal. And there are so many worse things to worry about than the work week. I'm Kate Co. I'm Deb Co. And I'm Kelsko. And we're... <laughs> Welcome back to Crime & Co. We've taken our long hiatus... And we have found ourselves with an unprecedented amount of free time. Much has changed. We have many wrinkles. Many new wrinkles, but also many new good things. It's been almost a year since we last released an episode, which is crazy. No shit. Really? Do, shall we go through and each do like a 30-second recap of what we've done in the last year? We'll do 10, because 10 is a lot more entertaining. 10 seconds? Yeah. All right, okay, fine. Time. time. Who wants to go first? I'm putting the timer up, so not me. Okay, Devin can go first. Okay, tell me where to go. Three, two, one, go. So I moved to Austin, Texas. It's the best place in the world. I'm still lifting. Different club. Love it so much. Want to stay here forever. Um, it's hot. I don't know. I, my job is the best. Yay. And up. <laughs> Very nicely done. Okay, Kelsey, are you up? Uh, sure. All right. Uh, somebody else has to tie me, though. Three, two, one, go. Um, I'm still in Chicago. I'm still at Kraft Heinz. I got my motorcycle license. I dyed my hair purple. And for 90 days of summer, I was sober, which is a big deal. Very nice. All right. That was like eight seconds. So fast. That was awesome. Really well done. Thank you. It was a big year. Very fun. Okay, Caitlin, your turn. Oh, let me time you. Okay. I got engaged, and I'm getting a dog, and I still have my three jobs, and I live with my friend Alex, and everything is great, and not a lot happened otherwise. Oh, and Steph's in Texas. <laughs> okay. I, know. I forgot that we stopped doing this before you got engaged, so that would have been a really good episode. I know, right? I could have been like... It was funny because I was like bitching about it, I think, until like the episode before we stopped, and I could have just been like, hey, guys... Guess what? We don't need any pep talk today because I'm in love. <laughs> anyway, Steph did a great job. And if you ever want to know the story of it, I will gladly tell you another time. So shall we get started as we usually do with our highs, lows, and scaries? 
we shouldn't, but I'm not going to start because I was well and told to start with the last one. So <laughs> Okay. I, I can start this one. All right, Kelsko, yeah. what's your high? Uh, my high was I got to talk to Grammy on the phone today, which was adorable and hilarious, and I love her. And we should make a more often thing. Um, she is easily the most quotable person that we know. Um, I still, I, th- I think my favorite thing that she's ever said, though, recently, is uh, when I was there for Christmas, we were looking through the newspaper on a Sunday morning, and she goes, oh, let me look at my horoscope to see whether I should go on with my day or not. And I'm like, that is where I get it. I get it. <laughs> she's funny. such, like, a sassy, sharp woman. Like, she just, yeah. like, is very, very dry, and she looks so sweet, and you would never expect it. Very sarcastic. I would say, and my low is something that I know is not unique to me, and I'm wondering why is happening every single person that i've talked to at work or otherwise mostly women i don't have a lot of male friends most of them that i've talked to have been like since we have started quarantining my skin has gotten really bad and i'm like why is that i've changed nothing else about my life but i talked to many people at work and they say the same thing it's getting better now but i was like what is happening i have a theory you have a theory yes the theory is, is that your skin is, one, off of its normal routine, because a lot of people are not wearing makeup anymore, and regardless, any change in the way that your that your skin is being treated will, like, cause it to, like, make changes to counteract it. Second of all, vitamin D kills bacteria. If you're not outside, it's not killing the bacteria on your face. Well, that's my sun in Chicago anyway. <laughs> but it is vitamin D, even if it's cloudy. Like, it's still there. It's coming through yeah. the clouds. But that's my theory. I don't, I'm not, I'm not, I have no idea what I'm talking about, but that's my theory. Your face just really misses you touching it. It really misses the sweet, sweet touch of your hands. <laughs> and so we don't give shit people on their face to mess with. They're going to do it. So we'll bring them back to me. <laughs> it's playing the long game. <laughs> and my scary, and I know, well, I just want to caveat that we're trying to keep this as minimal to talking about current events as possible because I know this is going to seem trivial and small compared to the scariest going on in the world. However, um, my scary is, is that they may cancel the Bowling for Soup concert that I was supposed to go to it in six weeks, and I was really looking forward to it. Oh, <laughs> cancel. <the> yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, Kelsco. It probably is going to get canceled, but we can have a that. Bowling for Soup concert on in our rooms. We'll turn all the lights off. I have action at home. But for those of you who don't know, Bowling for Soup is the best live concert that I have ever been to, and I've been there f- four times. I know, Devin. What? That is the best live concert? <laughs> They don't even really sing. No, I know, but the music is fun. And they also have the forethought to understand that we don't care about any of their new shit. They play all their old songs, and that is what I want to hear. I'm not here for anything they put out in the last five years. I haven't listened to it, but 1985, Girl, the Bad Guys won. That's what I want to hear. They put music out in the last five years? Yes, I know. (laughs) Since 1985? Wait. I didn't even know that they had... I don't think I know any other song besides the two you just named. Come Back to Texas? Nope. Punk Rock 101? Nope. Come on, guys. (laughs) The Phineas and Ferb theme song is also theirs. No shit. Yeah. Clearly their best work. No, I'm a huge Bowling for Soup fan. There was a time when I said that was my favorite band. I've since evolved. Really? I'm a, oh, yeah, girl. Sophomore college. It's all I listen to. I don't know why. You've had such an evolution of your music taste, honestly. Frank Zappa. Yeah. I really, I really think it has a lot to do with the proximity of the humans I'm with most of the time. It's like a really a chaotic assortment of bullshit. And they're like, now what do I listen to now? Like screamo and asshole music? Like, where did that come from? Uh, who knows? <laughs> who knows? You're a very well-rounded human being. Thank you. I just don't like to be pigeonholed. I think I'm the only person in the world with the, not, I guess not in the world because you guys like it too, who doesn't vehemently hate country music. Like everyone, oddly enough, here in Texas. In Texas. <laughs> Here in Texas, I'm among some of the most vehement country haters of any place I've ever lived. And I'm like, this is the place for it. Like, Is it is it vehement or vehement? No. <laughs> I, I think it's vehement too. What? <laughs> <laughs> 
Let us know. What were we talking about last night? Where someone hears me say a word wrong and doesn't correct me? Biggest pet peeve in the world. Wait, didn't I tell you about my top five? In my top five most embarrassing moments when I didn't know. I was reading a script for a play, and they were re- they were talking about marijuana, and there there was someone called it a spliff, and I was like, "What the fuck is a spliff?" And I kept saying it like very loudly in a deli, and this woman turns around like clearly irritated with my like sheltered young butt, and goes, "It's a spliff," and I was like, "How the fuck am I supposed to know that? I don't smoke." I was like, "I don't know." What was that for? That was for uh, when I was a freshman orientation leader. It was it was also like a play about not smoking marijuana. So they use words like split. Like can we just say like don't smoke pot? They were trying to make it like quote unquote authentic, but like who the fuck am I? I was like I don't even know what's authentic. <laughs> Sorry, my most recent who the fuck am I thing is when I was at that bar and I I was shooting pool with strangers and I made the winning shot and someone called me a bad bitch and I was like, you know what? <laughs> this is the only time someone's ever called me that. You're like, yes, I am. I am a bad bitch. <laughs> All right. Devco, my what's high- your high, low, and scary? Yes. My high is that I am back on the Trader Joe's grind. I went for the first time in, like, literally six months. And it was so pleasant, y'all. Like, I know we're not talking about the serious stuff, but if you need a place that's, like, pure bliss, as you would expect Trader Joe's to be, it still is. still a haven. I got the everything but the elote seasoning for the first time. I'm going to put this shit on everything. I put it on my popcorn, and it's really good. Oh, that's a good idea. I was like, what, could, what would be a good thing to put it on that would be, like, kind of left field? Vanilla ice cream. Think about it. Me and uh, Brian put it on the, oh, that actually sounds amazing, put it on cauliflower gnocchi, and it was pretty good. I have that. I'll do that. Anyway, Trader Joe's, still an amazing place. I'm still a Trader Joe's girl at heart, and, like, shout out to my peeps working on the home front right Yeah, now. true that. Just First true responders that. in their um, own way. My low is I have truly, truly, truly and really 15 bug bites from one evening on my lip right now. I don't understand. It's like they're all on my, like, my thighs, and I was wearing pants. The mosquitoes here are, like, prehistoric and aggressive. <laughs> They're so big. I, just, I, was, I don't know how I didn't see it. They're like sneaky and huge. Where but were I, you? I was out. I was when I was working out yesterday. Oh. I'm kind of right outside at the moment. But yeah, so I woke up this morning. I was pissed because, like, you know how, like, I don't know how the rest of the world's bug bites get. But if I touch mine for two seconds, that like they triple in size, and I can't deal with it. It's gross. At least you get to be inside for a while to hide them. My scary is, and it's a real scary. My scary is that my my time in Austin is coming to a close, and I am starting to apply for jobs, and it is the worst thing in the world but i will get through it it'll be fine i told kelsey this i well i actually literally flipped shit on kelsey yesterday i apologize she was fine it was fine but i slept and i'm a bad bitch once again (laughs) she's back she's back to her bad bitch ways ask that one girl at the bar i'm back i'm back on the (laughs) (laughs) back on the pool table we're plowing forward (laughs) and it'll be fine but i'm just like But if anyone knows of any uh, audiology jobs at a VA, specifically in Texas, but really where anywhere throughout the country. And specifically in Austin, but I would know about that. Let us know. All right, Kate, how about you? Uh, My high is that I am finally getting a dog. She is a 30-pound Australian Shepherd mix, and she's coming up from South Carolina in three and a half weeks, and I am so freaking ready. I've bought a crate and a bed and a leash and a collar and bowls and a training mat and like a little bell to hang from the door so that she can learn to like hit the door when she needs to pee and i'm just like so so ready it's like a dream come true you're gonna be such a great dog mom yes i've looked up the best kind of dog food and how to crate train house break leash train everything 
I've read all. I've read it all. I'm so ready. So that's my high. You've been ready for years. Like, yeah. Watching dogs, walking dogs, bonding over dogs forever. It's like a true dream come true, honestly, in a way. And she looks a lot like Steph's dog, which is also my dog, but she lives in Texas with Steph, so it's not, it's like, when people say, I'm like, not saying she's not my child, too, but she's, like, too yeah. far away. But she looks like Misha's, like, sibling, in that she could be, like, if Misha was gray instead of brown, mm-hmm. it looks like Misha. Oh. What are you naming her? I said I don't know. I don't know yet. If you guys have suggestions, let me know. We gave so many good suggestions. I know. Just nothing like clicks yet, you know? I have, like, yeah, I have her first. Let the personality speak the name. Yeah. Devin. Name <laughs> I should name her Devin. That's too confusing. <laughs> who knows who I'm talking to? I'll get, you can give me a nickname. I've always wanted a nickname. We've talked about this. You get to be Doove forever. <laughs> Devin Doove and Misha. <laughs> <laughs> and then I guess my low is that um, because of all the craziness right now is um, I've never, Steph and I have never had a trip where we have had the trip without having the next one also planned so that we also ha- always have like something to look forward to when we're not together. And um, this caused us to cancel our upcoming plan. So right now we don't have one. So it's like, I haven't seen her in a couple of weeks, like a month, and um, I was supposed to see her in like a week, and now it's looking like probably another month or two, so that'll be a lot. That's the longest we've gone without seeing each other since she moved, so that sucks. That's a low. What's the longest you guys gone without seeing each other, like, ever? I think like three months, three or four months. Oh, sure, yeah. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) yes, TBT to when Devin and I hung out all the time. But, uh, yeah, so, yeah, it, well, it's not like the end of the world. I think we've gotten long distance, like, down to a science. Uh, my scary is, I don't know when I'll be able to go back to my bar or my gym because they're closed for a while, and I miss all of my friends. And I also, since I'm not working out, I um, feel, like, very jiggly. And I did, like, 20 lunges and my ass hurts. And that is just, like, unacceptable. <laughs> Oh my god, the try. Oh yes, and then I did like maybe 20 push-ups and then my triceps hurt. It's just like... Caitlin and I both did this on the same day. It was hilarious. We both did 20... Tw- well, uh, you said 40 last time we talked. Oh, it was, okay. I don't know. I don't remember. Whatever. It was somewhere between 20 and 40. Between <laughs> 20 and 40 push-ups. And the next day, both of us thought we had torn our triceps. I couldn't get out of bed. I literally had to roll out of bed like a because I could not put myself up. I was literally like, I don't know what I'm going to do because if I actually like tore my triceps and my arms are no longer functional... I'm not leaving my house to go to a doctor because it's scary out there. This is just how my arms are now. This is just how I am. All right, guys. Well, that's our highs, lows, and scaries. We know it's a hard time, so we're going to spend the rest of this podcast trying to get your mind off of the scariness around you and know that there are so many worse things to worry about right around the corner at all times. That's not invisible, I suppose. We're giving you you silver linings. Silver linings. Um, But so if you haven't, if this is your first time tuning in, you've probably tuned out. But if you haven't yet, we are a true crime comedy podcast slash drinking game. Um, So the way it's going to work is I will introduce the buzzwords of our case of the day. So I'm going to be talking about the case of the day. And then Kelsko, off of the buzzwords that I've given her, because they don't know the case that I'm covering, she has uh, chosen a cocktail for us to drink um, based off those buzzwords. So it's kind of like a themed cocktail. So our buzzwords this week were, yogurt fire and coercion so if you if you if you know this case that makes it clear about what it is but if you don't Kelsko what is our cocktail so our cocktail using the words yogurt fire and coercion um (laughs) allowed me to stumble upon a a genre of cocktails that I didn't know existed and apparently there are a lot of them but there are apparently a lot of cocktails with yogurt base in them which is seems gross in the outset but um this cocktail is from um, honestlyyum.com it is called the gin jam and yogurt cocktail Yes, that sounds gross in the outset. But yogurt cocktails, people who want to work a little bit harder to swallow while they're drinking. I just don't understand as a group. Like, for, for, a, for an alcoholic who also needs a snack with probiotics, I, like, don't get this genre exactly. Like. I think 
most of them are like kind of smoothie-ish, to be honest. But this one's not. I know. It seems gross, right? It was like a, I saw the other ones. Wait, do you remember that yogurt Korean drink I used to drink in high school? Milkis? <laughs> Milkis. No. <laughs> I used to drink this shit like by the palate. It was like a yogurt milk soda. And it was like probably 70 grams of sugar in every like tiny six ounce can. That's disgusting. They were amazing. Anyway, so yogurt beverage. It's gin, jam, and yogurt cocktail on Honestly Yum. The bartender who created its name is Todd. His last name is not listed. I tried to give you credit, Todd, but there you go. Thank you, um, Todd. Anyway, so I'm not saying your cocktail is gross. In fact, it looks re- very pretty in the picture that I'm looking at right now. But the ingredients in it are two ounces of gin, a half ounce of lemon juice, a half ounce simple syrup, one teaspoon of he recommends Fresno chili jam, but any chili jam will work. One teaspoon of Greek yogurt. He does specify cheaper spent. I'm not sure why, but I'm sure that makes a difference. And a sprig of mint for garnish. So essentially, you just shake that shit all up, and then you shake it, and you pour it over ice, and then you garnish with the mint, and apparently, that's a good cocktail. That sounds amazing. Uh-huh. The thing is, I, like, thought about making, like, I think I could make, like, an off-brand version with what I have in my fridge. Because, like, right now, it, it's when we're, we're in quarantine, guys. We couldn't run out and get some chili jam. So we're all drinking, like, our wine and beer over here. But you should, if you happen to have Greek yogurt... And chili jam and gin in your cupboard, go for it. But all I have is Trader Joe's blueberry Greek yogurt, chili powder, uh, grenadine, and gin. And I was like, what if I made like the Walmart version of this cocktail? I mean, that's the Walmart version. That's the Frankenstein version of that cocktail. Like, <laughs> like, I don't think grenadine and simple syrup are equatable. You had me with like, blueberry yogurt and gin. I, I think that sounds really good. But like throwing chili powder and blueberries together. Ugh. All right, so I'm not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> do what you I want. Think, anyway, if, if you did not get why, yogurt, because yogurt is in the cocktail, chili jam, because fire and spicy and coercion, it's because you're going to force me to drink this. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I get it. Nice. There you well, go. well done, Kelsey. Very good. All right. So it's also a drinking game, so we have rules. All right, Devka, what are our rules for the drinking game? <laughs> so what happens is we have a series of prompts that every time we do one of these things or you hear one of these things or feel one of these things you're gonna have to drink but here are the prompts. so the first is anytime one of the buzzwords is said aloud so anytime you hear yogurt or fire or coercion which i can't imagine will be used more than once <laughs> so listen hard for that one. that's second, the golden ticket the golden ticket of buzzwords every time we swear you get to drink unfortunately you only heard about this at this moment in the podcast when i know i've sworn many times up till now so go ahead and finish your drink right now and start again <laughs> and make yourself a brand new one i gave you many opportunities and you missed them all shame on you all right so the third one is every time you feel sympathy pain for someone in the story or your butthole does a little pucker in response to something that you hear or is said <laughs> okay uh, so Two, and there's two other ones added by me for the purpose of the story because I do know a little bit more about this case than Kelsey does. I know nothing. I'm so excited. I don't know anything. <laughs> anytime Texas landmarks are mentioned and I chime in about knowing where something is, you get to drink. And anytime you wish the legal system was different during this, you get to drink. If that's a con state of being, finish your drink. <laughs> just, but, yeah, just waterfall it all the way to the end. I like those, Deb. That's good. Now, we get to talk about what you want to do. You are drinking, or if you were listening to this on a Tuesday morning and you don't want to drink. So what do we do instead? You could do a push-up. Hold a piece of laundry is one of the classic favorites. Think of a friend you haven't talked to. Or take since. a deep, deep breath. Or you can delete a contact from your phone from someone you haven't talked to in a long time. Probably someone you slept with before. Just remove it. Anytime it says, like, Mark from bar or, like, Austin from That's Mad Hatter, like, just delete it. They could uh, dust a piece of furniture. They could rearrange a piece of furniture. <laughs> That's what I just said. 
Calico, you finish it out. <laughs> you could throw an expired food item out of your fridge. Start counting up the times, and at the end, buy a gift card to a local business for that amount of money. Oh, I love that. Oh my god, you guys, this is the Crime and Co. Challenge. Every time we say one of our prompts, you owe your favorite small business a dollar. <laughs> Another dollar to a small business. We <laughs> hear like shit, 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 shit. shit. <laughs> That's five dollars. Five dollars to your local deli. <laughs> You're welcome, Los. <laughs> you are welcome. All right, guys. So those are the rules. Play along. We love when people are engaged and drinking with us. And if we're all ready, guys, we can get into the case. Yeah? Yay, the true crime is coming. Hooray! Finally. Yes, only like 40 minutes in. So the case of the day is the Austin Yogurt Shop Murders. This was recommended to us by... By one of my favorite humans, Jamie Frazier. Jamie Frazier. Thank you so much, Jamie Frazier, for recommending this case to us. We got a lot of great recommendations on Instagram. So thank you so much for everyone who gave us a suggestion. We, we might make a few more cases depending on how long this madness goes on. So, uh, okay, so. Kelsey's got a microphone, so I'm like a whole new lady. Like, I'm not frustrated at all and like so excited. This is all attack. Yeah, but anyway, if you don't like our sound quality, I'm sorry, but we're like, we're budget bitches. Then you, then you can leave if you don't like our sound quality. It's like, we're not, we're not like professional, we're not sponsored, this is like just what we're doing. Okay, also, just a reminder, let me go through my sources really quick. I'm not a researcher, I'm not an investigative journalist. So the, I got all of my information from Susie Spencer at AETV.com, Christine at thetruecrimefiles.com, Mariah Gill from Rare.com, AustinTexas.gov, Tony Plahetsky at KBUE.com, Bob Garcia Buckaloo at KBUE.com, David Grogan at People.com, Statesman.com, and Wikipedia. These are the best notes I've ever done. If, if we had done this when I was doing a case, I would have been like, I got all my information from Wikipedia.com. No, girl. I am so ready for this. All right, are we ready to get into it? Are we ready? Yeah. Okay. On the night of December 6, 1991, 17-year-old Eliza Thomas and Jennifer Harbison were working the evening shift at the I Can't Believe It's Yogurt Shop at 2900 West Anderson Lane in northern Austin, Texas. That stands for. No, listen, okay, that's actually my next line. It's one of those normal, anyway, this this yogurt shop is at one of the normal strip malls with like, that has like a bunch of the stores in the row. But a fun fact about the I Can't Believe It's Yogurt franchise is they sued TCBY Yogurt Company in 1984 because originally it, stored for, it stood for This Can't Be Yogurt. But now, now it stands for, This Can't Be Yogurt. Now it stands for The Country's Best Yogurt because of, this, of the lawsuit. Oh, that was a nice Brand. That's like, I, like I hop trying to be I now. Like you can't just. And also another fun fact is that uh, the I can't believe it's yogurt franchise was acquired by Yogan Fruz in 1996, which was our local mall's yogurt place growing up. So I miss Yogan Fruz. That's why I first tried those little, those those little, um, what's it called the, the you know the jelly balls. Like, yes. Oh god, those are so good. I'm wondering if I can't believe it's yogurt and I can't believe it's not butter are from the same human. I don't think so because I can't believe it's yogurt. I've read their whole website. It was started by two college students in the 80s. I mean, in the in like the seventies or eighties, and I think they were just yogurt focused. <laughs> anyway, that 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 that's like it has no implication to the story. I just wanted to explain it because it's such a funny name. Anyway, I love it. Anyway, so the two girls, Eliza Thomas and Jennifer Harbison, planned to have a sleepover together after their shift that night. And Jennifer's fifteen-year-old sister Sarah and Sarah's best friend, thirteen-year-old Amy Ayers, were planning to get a ride home from the two older girls before they went before the two girls went back for their sleepover. So as Eliza and Jennifer worked to close up the shop. Sarah and Amy came over from North Cross Mall, where they had been hanging out, and they arrived at the yogurt shop a little after 10 p.m. to wait for them to be done. The shop was scheduled to close at around 11 p.m. So I looked in a little bit to find, like, the actual, like, uh, not obituaries, but, like, the, the articles about them right after. This is pretty clear. Something bad's going to happen to the girls. I'm just going to, like, put that out there. Spoiler alert. Um, oh, wait, 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 wait. 
million dollars and go to college? What? I know. <laughs> but so I their sleepover? They never make it to the sleepover. I'm sorry. No. Okay. So anyway, I wanted just to like humanize him a bit because I feel like sometimes we don't focus enough on the victims. So I researched him a little bit and I want to give you a little bit of detail. Uh, okay. So all of them were members of Future Farmers of America. They loved animals and they raised lamb and pigs, lambs and pigs for stock show competitions. And they listened to country music and they like loved George Strait and Garth Brooks, just like us. And they loved hanging out with their friends at the farm that was owned by the Austin school system. Eliza and Jennifer liked working at the yoga shop because it meant they got to hang out with one another, which reminded me so much of me and Brienne working at Tonic. <laughs> like, oh. the only reason we did that. And I was like, oh my gosh, my heart. And Eliza was a senior at Lanier High. Does that still exist? I think so. Spell it. L-A-N-I-E. Research aside. That's another one. Anytime, another another prompt that I forgot is anytime I have to stop to look something up. Oh my gosh, yes. So everyone drinks. She's going to look up if Lanier High still exists. Oh my God, they changed the name. Oh really? Like when? They just, they changed it last year. There was this whole thing where they were changing names of high schools that were tied to the Confederacy. So now it is Juan Navarro High School. Okay. Okay, so a senior at Lanier High, which is now Juan Navarro High School. And she started working part-time at the yogurt shop in December of the year before so she could buy and maintain her car. The pay was a minimum wage. It was like four thirty-five an hour. But Eliza's parents were like really excited by her like showing her independence. And the car was like her bride and joy. And she loved the car because her birthstone was an emerald. And she knew that car was, like, meant for her. Um, her mother said she never went anywhere without lipstick and was just, like, a shining light. So a, a beautiful Texan girl. Uh, Jennifer signed on to work at the yogurt shop in July of 1991. Um, her parents uh, actually tried to discourage her from taking the job because they wanted her to enjoy her senior year and, like, be crazy. But uh, Jennifer wanted to make some extra spending money. Sarah, her little sister, was a freshman at Lanier High, but she never went anywhere without her best friend, Amy, Amy Ayers. And all three of those girls were, like, very fiercely protective of Amy because she was, like, the youngest girl, and she was, like, a semester behind, so she would have been to high school the next year. But Amy and Sarah were, like, inseparable, and they were very involved in the Future Farmers of America shows together. On the night of December 6th, Eliza and Jennifer were in high spirits because they had just been... I don't know what this means, but they were just nominated as Future Farmers of America queens, which to me makes me think like a homecoming queen type of situation. I think so. Someone was telling me down here the other day, Austin, Texas said, that like, it's not Austin, but some surrounding cities get like a week off for the state fair, and that's when all the FFH people like compete. Wow. Like, so is, like, it, is it like um what, the Midwestern version? What's it called? The Midwestern version? Yeah. 4-H? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe it's like, there's like a pageant component, and that's what that is. Or But they were pageant. like so excited and like just being like 18-year-old girls, you know, like excited about being like basically prom court. And they, have, they were like telling people who were visiting the yogurt shop how excited they both were. And as far as everybody knew, it was just a normal closing shift for all the girls but then yeah. it's time for the first butthole pucker around midnight an austin police department i'm <laughs> not prepared an austin police department officer named troy gay was walking past the shopping center when he noticed smoke coming from the strip mall where the shop was firefighters soon rushed to the scene and began to put out the fire but as they extinguished the flames they found the charred remains of four girls in the back room each girl had been shot in the head i know execution style and they were later identified as Eliza, Jennifer, Sarah, and Amy. No! I know. I knew we, we knew it was something bad, and I, it gets worse. So everyone, just brace yourselves. I'll rush oh, through it. Called the Austin Yogurt Shop Celebration Halloween Party. <laughs> I know. I know. But it gets a little bit worse. So everyone, just like hold your breath for a oh, little geez. second. So the okay. body, the bodies were not instantly recognizable. All but one had no distinguishing features. Not even their race was recognizable. They were all naked and bound with their own clothes, some with their bodies thrown on top of the other. But it's not clear whether the force of the uh, fire hose pushed the bodies on top of each other or if they were placed that way. 
Um, but all the girl's legs were spread open and one had an ice cream scoop placed in the floor in between her legs. Okay, we're done with that. <gasps> okay, actually, sorry. It still gets it still gets worse. I know. Both of, both Kelsey and Devin are covering their faces with their shirts and I totally agree. It's, this is like so, so bad. But anyway, this is what we're here for is the hard details. Okay, so detectives considered that this was, that the, the place was set on fire um, in order to destroy the evidence or at least obscure the collection of DNA once the crime scene was doused with water. Um, from firefighters attempting to take put out the flames. Um, but an autopsy revealed that at least two of the girls had been sexually assaulted, including the youngest, Amy, and that two separate guns had been used to kill them, suggesting more than one perpetrator. Oh, wow. The crime was so outrageous that, like, the, I mean, it's outrageous now, but, like, so outrageous for Austin, which was a smaller city at the time. Um, oh, it was tiny. It was like a sleepy little college town. Like exactly yeah so it was so outrageous and like just like just the mayor at the time said it like took the innocence away from austin but it was so crazy that all four autopsy results were sealed which is like super rare occurrence in the county um authorities theorized that the original plan of the perpetrators was that was to rob the yogurt shop because around 600 dollars, like 580 dollars, was missing from the cash register um, but then things must have escalated. Because that's where the money is. <laughs> what? I know, right? Like a yogurt shop? Maybe, well, I mean, like, you could think about it, like, they know that, like, young girls are attending the cash register, so they're, like, easy. It's low security. Yeah, like, no one's gonna fight us, but then, like, it must have escalated in, like, obviously a really horrible way. Okay, speaking of a bank robber, what is, like, what is the most optimal low security, high currency? Did, isn't it we learned this from Home Alone 2? Is that it's a toy store. What? Don't you think? Wait, what? You have a toy store in Home Alone 2? Yeah. I didn't watch that movie. I used to watch that movie a lot too. Well, um, <laughs> I guess that's what it is. Well, I think I don't. I think the best thing is to go to a store where everything's really expensive and rob one thing, and you just don't have to. Worry Th- about is that that's not robbing? That's called shoplifting. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's hands up! I'm gonna take this one thing. <laughs> You put on a show while you do it. Shoplifting requires sneak. If you're robbing someone, you say, put them up. Take one iPhone. Run out of the store. They'll be like, what the fuck was that? (laughs) But that already is worth more than all the cash register at the yogurt shop. But if you're putting, like, your life on the line in terms of, like, going to jail, wouldn't you want to, like, go big or go home? I'm just saying work smart, not hard. Like, don't be lazy. (laughs) Devin is the laziest robber of all time. That's why I am. That's why I got a doctorate. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, her criminal career was not promising. Well, the gumption. So anyway. The gumption to be a good criminal. Anyway. Okay. So following the discovery of the girls, an outraged community began searching for suspects and a lead detective named John Jones, who had been at the scene when the bodies were discovered, and his partner, Mike Huckabee, began an investigation. There's like an anecdote in a lot of articles, which I think is really sad. Um, is uh, John Jones, when he, like, saw the bodies, he noticed that one of the girls was wearing, like, a digital wristwatch that his daughter also had, and he, like, immediately was like, oh my god, like, where's my kid? Like, was worried it was her. I mean, obviously, like, there's, like, this intense relief to know that it's not your kid, but, like, also just, like, that's someone's kid, and it's just so horrible, you know? Like, just so chilling. Anyway, so, this is interesting. This, this in and of itself, could be its own episode, but it's just a paragraph, because we don't have time. But the Austin Police Department's first guess after discovering the girls was a serial, like, for who did it, was a serial killer named Kenneth McDuff. He was notorious for crimes involving teens because he brutally murdered and sexually assaulted three teens in 1966, but was arrested and then was released in 1989 due to prison overcrowding, and he likely killed again. But prison overcrowding, and that was the triage system they used? There wasn't someone who won, jaywalked, or shoplifted? They couldn't have let go first? Well, that's what I'm wondering. Like, think about how crowded that must have been then. It's like, okay, we're going to rank everyone from least to most dangerous. Everyone that's least dangerous is gone. This guy only killed three people. Oh my god. Only brutally killed three teens. Like, drug charges, like, there's nothing else that, like, 
that that is the guy. Like, what was in that prison? It was also like the 80s. Like, maybe like there weren't so many people in the prison system on drug charges. I feel like that's like a common like new was thing. Murder so popular in the 80s that there were that many murders. In the 70s, no one knew how to lock their doors, so all the murders happened at once, and they had to be more sneaky now. But they're all in the jails. That's what I'm saying. Honestly, <laughs> maybe like all, that's not a bad jail. theory. All of them. All of the jails are full. Sorry, Jesus Christ. <laughs> But like, I just, I don't, I cannot imagine it because I've been in places where they let people out of, was he, had, he, had he been in jail for a long time? Because this is one of the many things I don't understand about the legal system, how someone can horrifically murder someone and they think it's been 25 years. Well, He's that's the thing, Dev. It was 23 years that he was in jail before he was released. There, there's like, there's, there's more of a rehab system in place now, but there certainly wasn't then. What gives you the impression that they're you not just like, Josh Hank redemption. He felt bad about it. <laughs> but I must say he was in Austin around the time of the murders. But however, on November 17th of 1998, the day of his execution, Macduff confessed to the yogurt shop murders in what was thought to be a failed last attempt to spare his life. But his execution was carried out that day as scheduled, so it didn't matter. And after his death, the authorities investigated his confession, but ruled him out when fingerprints and hair collected from the yogurt shop could not be linked back to him. So, which is super ironic as we move forward, that they decided to dismiss him as a suspect because of his uh, fingerprints and uh, DNA, essentially. I just don't understand the idea of confessing to more murders when you're about to be executed for murder. They're like, like if you were doing that, like, oh, well, excellent. We got him, and now double, triple, screw you. Well, because of, like law and like fairness is they have to like try you and if they think if this is like this was one of the most brutal like well-known murders in texas at the time and they like needed justice and at the time like they didn't have anyone so they were like oh my gosh like we're gonna get justice like if he was hoping that he was like okay they're gonna have to try me and they're gonna have to like prove that i did it so they're gonna have to keep me alive while they do it it was a it was a desperate last plea he's like at the electric chair and is like i need to stay alive for like a couple more years but i don't understand seriously if you're already convicted of murder with the death penalty who cares what else you did why get tried for something else when you're already getting killed for it's not about crazy. him it's not about fairness of innocence it's about closure of the crime like they need to make sure they need to say that it's solved so just, like you can't get more punished than that you can't get more dead well yeah, right it's not about him no one's thinking about him it's like closure for the community that they know that it, that, that the killer the right killer is gone and that the community is safe okay Right. So, but it didn't work. It didn't work. They were like, we're calling bullshit because you waited this long. So goodbye. But he is known for the broomstick murders, another wikipedia case. And that's worth an episode all its own. Okay. Anyway, so it wasn't okay. Kenneth McDuff. Okay. All right. But eight days after the murders, Jones and Huckabee, the two detectives, interviewed 16-year-old Maurice Pierce, who had been hanging out at the same mall where Sarah and Amy had been right before heading to the yogurt shop. And he was picked up for carrying a 22 caliber handgun in the days following the murder. This was the same type of gun used to kill the girls, according to autopsy results. I just shot one of those last week. Did you really? How was it? It feels like a BB gun, which is why I'm like, it killed four people, but like, you know, that's hand, that's handguns for you. A bullet's a bullet, yeah. Especially from like execution style range, it doesn't really have to be. Yeah, it, 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 apparently it's, it's lethal up to 100 yards, so that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But, anyway. Anyway, so Pierce told police when, upon when he was questioned, he's 16, that his friend Forrest Wellborn, who is 15, had borrowed the gun and killed the girls. And I don't know how this interview went down with a 16-year-old, but he threw his friend under the bus. It was just like, wasn't me. Like, fuck you, Forrest. I think my friend killed two people, though, or four people. I'd be like, yeah, it was them. If I knew, like, you gotta. Yeah, but that's the thing. Like, did he know? So, but when confronted, 15-year-old Wellborn said he had no idea what his friend was talking about, obviously, and that he and Pierce, along with two other friends, Michael Scott and Robert Springsteen, who were both 17, 
had driven a stolen car to San Antonio, Texas that night, which is an interesting alibi, but also like relatively convincing because I think Kelsey, you told a story about these two boys who killed a younger boy and they lied about that they made their alibi another crime because it was more believable. Do you remember that? Um, I mean, the only time I can think of that one was the Leopold and Loeb one, and that may have happened. Exactly, yes. That was the case. The Leopold and Loeb case, they lied and said they were stealing something so that no one would question their alibi. But to me, I don't under- I, to me, it sounds like I killed them, and then we went to San Antonio real quick. Like, that sounds like a getaway. <laughs> well, I guess what they were saying, like, in their, in their alibi timeline, they were already in San Antonio in a stolen car. Also, it's very... I'm not lying. I'm, I'm just giving pieces of the truth. <laughs> It's, it's also very easy to say that, that you were on the move, because no one, no one has to corroborate it. Right, but that, that's the alibi they gave. That's what they said, is that yeah. they weren't there. And at the time, which is in 1991, Jones, the detective, believed them, and the boys went free with the case unsolved. So and as months yeah. turned into years, citizens of Austin's rallied around the families of the victims and the investigations. Many volunteered to hand out flyers in neighborhoods and at malls, white ribbons honoring the girls adorned trees across the con- across the city, the country, I don't know. A group of entrepreneurs even offered a $100,000 reward to anyone who could provide a tip that led to the successful prosecution of the perpetrators, but no successful tip came. Devin, I know it's not that long ago, but could you look up how much $100,000 was worth in 1991? Okay. It's 30 years ago. So everyone take a drink. $100,000 then is like $189,000 now. Still a lot of money. No successful tips came in. No one got the $100,000. But then, eight years later, in October of 1999... Those same four boys were arrested again and charged with capital murder in regards to the Austin Yogurt Shop murders. They would now be 23, 24, and 26, the four of them, respectively. Wow. Wow. So in June of 2000, Springsteen, who was at the time 17, and uh, was convicted of capital murder and sentenced to death after confessing to sexually assaulting Amy Ayers, the 13-year-old, and killing, being taking part in the killing of the girls. He confessed? He confessed. Just wait. Two years later... Scott was convicted of capital murder but sentenced to life in prison after also confessing to killing the girls. Wow. Pierce, who at the time was uh, 16, sat in jail awaiting trial until 2003, so four years, when all charges against him were dropped. Why? Because he was 16. The juries refused to indict Wellborn at all, who was now 23 but was 15 at the time because he had been so young at the time of the incident. I mean, it's... I don't think it matters how young you were when you killed four people. Well, this is this is the theory of law enforcement with how it went down. They kind of assume that the two older boys went in to rob the place while the two younger boys like were posted as lookouts. So they weren't in the building. Yeah. And that was like kind of their theory. So I think that also might have been part of it. Yeah. But anyway, so that's where it is. Like two people, one was charged with... The two of them were charged with capital murder. One was ch- uh, sentenced to death, and one was sentenced to life in prison. Well, the other two, like why? Because of I think the sexual assault of a minor. Oh God! Yeah, I suppose that makes sense. Yes. Okay. So in 2006 and 2007, roughly 15 years after the crime, and three to four years after their convictions, Springsteen and Scott's convictions were suddenly overturned due to the what sixth. What? No, but it's, you sit on death row for, like, ever. Oh, yeah. Huh. So they were, they were suddenly overturned due to the Sixth Amendment right to cross-examine witnesses. Their confessions had been used to convict the other. So Springsteen's confession was used to convict Scott, and Scott's confession was used to convict Springsteen, but they were never permitted to testify on the stand and give the defense an opportunity to cross-examine. Oh, shit. They done fucked up in the trial. But why? why? Okay, now I'll let you tell the story. What? I was saying, what? why would they confess that they didn't do it? Like, what? Okay, you're right. Let me tell the story. <laughs> We're getting there. <laughs> okay, so prosecutors claimed that they would prepare to retry Springsteen and Scott, but both of those, both Springsteen and Scott were released from jail in 2012 
after those prosecutors said they weren't prepared for the retrial that was scheduled for July. In September of 2012, all charges were dropped against Scott and Springsteen. They are they were now almost 40 years old. <gasps> wow. Wait, what year was this? This was in 2012. Oh my god! They were like 38, 39, or like 39, but they were almost 40. Yeah, that's crazy. So Pierce... Wait, are the, they roaming around? Well, you listen, we don't know. You don't know anything about them. Their charges were dropped. We live in America. They were innocent until proven guilty, and they were not proven guilty. What's the Suspicious people? No one left with no charges? Suspicious people? Anyway, so they were now almost 40 years old. Uh, Pierce, who was the 16-year-old who was picked up for the handgun, actually died in 2010 after being stopped by a police officer in a routine traffic stop. But however, don't feel so bad for him yet. Once stopped, Pierce ran from the officers on foot, which resulted in a brief scuffle where Pierce stabbed the officer in the neck. And so the the officer, in a in a move of badassery I can't imagine, with a knife in his neck, shot him. Pierce died from his injuries, while the man who was shot who was shot in the neck survived. But so Pierce is dead. Um, I have no idea where Wellborn is. I looked it up. I can't find him. I don't know. But probably he probably changed his name after all that bullshit. Okay, so we're getting to the part where it's probably going to answer a lot of your questions. So the whole convictions, all the convictions of Scott and Springsteen had ended up being a rather large abuse of the law when we look at it. So, Scott and Springsteen had both confessed to the murders to a detective named Hector Polanco, who was later removed from the case because he allegedly coerced, uh, used uh, coercive interrogation techniques in a different case. So not in this case, but he was known to use these like very coercive measures. For example, Scott was interrogated by Polanco for 20 hours over the course of three days, with the longest stint being 12 hours in a row in September of 1999. Crime author Beverly Lowry, who is the author of Who Killed These Girls? The Unsolved Murders That Rocked a Texas Town, which is about this case, which I need to read, but I have not read. Oh yeah, um, Jamie said that we had to read that. Yes, we do. Thank you, Jamie. We will get on it. So that author watched all 20 hours of the interrogation footage of Scott and Springsteen, and it clearly depicted them being led into a confession under duress. So, for example, I just I just brought, like, a little clip out from an article that I read where the police was trying to basically lead them into admitting, like, what the girls were bound with. So the police go to Scott. Well, what did you use to, like, tie up the girls? And Scott goes, Venetian blind cords. And the police go, not Venetian blind cords. And Scott goes, um, napkins. And police go, you can't tie somebody up with napkins. And it's basically, like, a back and forth until he correctly guesses that they were tied up with their own clothes. But, like, he didn't know. Um, napkins. No. But that's, like, not an interrogation. Mad lips. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's, like, you can think about it, like, there's two ways to look at it. There's, like, one is that they've been being interrogated with, like, no break for, like, ten hours, and they just, like, want it to be over. They're serious. Make it stop. Yeah, like, so that's, like, it happens to, like, that's why some people, like, really don't think interrogation and, like, torture techniques are, like, positive way to get information out of people because they'll say anything to make it stop. But another way you could look at it, and if you want to be devil's advocate, is that he could have just been like, I don't know, I don't know, like saying the wrong thing to to put them off of his trail. Yeah. Until he had nothing left to say. But I I, I think it's I my personal opinion is it seems clearer is that they were not that he had no idea what he was talking about. I just I don't know where they come up with it. Like Venetian blind cords is weirdly suspicious. Suspicious. Jesus, Devin. Kind of broke. It's fine. Oh my gosh. Okay. Anyway, so moving on. So we know that. So, a local attorney who spoke with, this is one of my sources, Susie Spencer of AETV, said that at the time, Austin needed to find someone responsible for the murders because the town was paralyzed with fear for, like, ten years. This was, like, the worst crime that happened there. And they thought that this killer was just, like, on the loose. 
So once the boys were convicted, the, t- the town gave, like, a huge sigh of relief, and despite the, like, sketchy circumstances under which the boys were convicted, it was, like, a largely accepted conviction. And it had yeah. even been, this is why it was ironic earlier with Kenneth McDuff, it had even been later determined that none of the boys' DNA matched any of the DNA found at the crime scene. Yeah, so the inclusive nature of the DNA symbols led some investigators to actually consider that there might be, like, a fifth perpetrator at the crime scene, but this was dismissed because it didn't come to light until 2008 after the DNA was, like, inconveniently not a match. So, like, well, there must have been a fifth person, because it's definitely these guys. There's five guys, and one of them is just leaving their hair all over the place, and everyone else is just, like, Exactly, exactly. So it's like, what? Cutting his fingernails during the crime or some shit. But anyway, so since... They, they were all set free. No other uh, suspects have been convicted. Uh, many still consider Scott, Springsteen, Pierce, and Welborn to be guilty, despite the overwhelming evidence proving otherwise. And the I case mean, is... I there's a lot that still points to it, even with the shady stuff, but whatever. Even with the no DNA? Really? I don't know. The DNA doesn't match. Also, they were all like, we didn't do it. And also, they were all it's coerced under interrogation. Shop. There were a lot of people in there. The younger shop, there were a lot of people in there. I guess that's true. That's a good point. But yeah. but they were, like, in the back room. I mean, were these two the only girls who worked in the younger shop? But they were... It was, they were they have other employees as well. Yes, they, like they tested other people, but it was male DNA that was found, and I think maybe most of the yogurt shop employees were women or something. Yeah, Zan. Interesting, interesting perspective. Speculation. The case is no longer featured on the Austin Police Department's cold case website. So they have a website that lists like things that they're still investigating. They actually have a whole cold case unit that I'm like, really? please hire me. But police departments do. Dennis Grove has listed their cold cases on the website. And just for Downers Grove, we have enough cold yeah. cases to warrant a unit? Not a unit, but they have, like, four cold cases in Downers Grove. And that's how I found my one case, like, a couple months back, you know? Well, like that's what I'm saying. That's the difference. Is like, most counties have a cold case, but this place has eight guys dedicated, and, and women, I don't know, eight officers dedicated just to solving cold cases, where I'm like, this sounds like my dream. Most people have a cold case filing cabinet, and they have a whole case. Yes. So... That is the difference. But the trick of it is, is that this this case is not featured on their website, so which suggests to me that many consider the case to be closed. That makes sense. Okay. So the police apparently interviewed 52 customers who visited the store on the day of the murders, but and two men who were witnessed at cl- there at closing time that have never been found. So many people believe that it might be those two men that were seen at the cr- the, the scene of the crime as it was closed. Like apparently, like they they sat down, they ordered just a soft drink, like they didn't even get yogurt, and they sat at a booth like near the cash register. And like you know how like some places like when they close at eleven, but there are people still in the store, they like lock the door and like start yeah. cleaning up. So yeah. that those people were still in there when Jennifer came to the front and locked the door. Uh-huh. And another, like, anecdote that I don't think I mentioned is, like, you know how, like, we've all worked at restaurants, and, like, when you're at work at a restaurant, like, you take things off the table and you, like, wipe them down, so, like, the restaurant looks different at closing than it does when it opens. Yeah. And so they had taken, like, the like the straw and napkin thing off of all the tables except one, which is where the ta- where the two men were sitting. So this is, this is in 1991. Witnesses described them as one with lighter hair, maybe like a dirty blonde, and about five foot six in his late 20s or early 30s. The other was described as a bigger man. Both were wearing bigger coats, and one had a green army fatigue kind of looking jacket, and the other had a black jacket. So that's all they had to go off of, basically. Yeah. So that's well, we, not very no, it's not. <laughs> so they've never been found. Those two men have never been found. Here, how old would they be? Well, if they were in their 20s, maybe 60 and 50. If they were 20, in their late 20s, early 30s in 1991, let's just add 30 years to that. Late 50s, early 60s? Yeah, so they're old now. Not old, sorry. Not old. Older. Older. Yeah. So, 
again, so while we may be feeling some f- sympathy for the guys because, like, it is very, like, sketchy about whether or not they did it. And, like, if they are innocent, think about the gravity of that. Like, their lives are ruined. Yeah. Because some of them are still alive, but, like, the most, like, time of your changing between 16 and 40 are just gone. Your formative years are gone. Formative, yes. But let's also not forget the four girls who fell victim to such a horrible crime. And many, their families have still not found closure. Um, So, as we've all noticed, new abilities in DNA technology have led to solving several high-profile cold cases in the past few years, which is, like, freaking awesome. Like, Mm -hmm. it's so cool to see. And many people want to reopen the case of the Yogurt Shop murders to see if it can bring any new suspects to light. A new trace of DNA was actually able to be retrieved from a sample at the crime scene like two or three years ago. But issues over the privacy of DNA was uh, prevented the sample to be used in matching a suspect. It like wasn't specific enough of a sample in that like it can only like it would it would match to like thousands of people. Because I have read about this part where it's like those articles came out recently where it's saying like yes it. They say that it matched, so there's like a, there's a database, apparently, like on TV, of criminals and their DNA. And the Austin PD used their little sample, and it matched to someone in that big old database who already has a criminal record. But we can't say it was that person. It might just be a coincidence because this DNA is too vague. Like, it, like cool, it matched a criminal. Maybe it was that guy. But it could also be another guy who's never been caught for a crime before. Exactly. It's like, it's, it's like an indicator, but it's not like diagnostic. Exactly. The biomarker, but it's not diagnostic. Exactly. So yeah, so that so so as of February of this year, though, many Austinites who I don't think like understand that, and not that they're in the wrong place. I think they just like wanted to be used. But many yeah. people in Austin, including the parents of Amy Ayers, who is still or Ayers, sorry if I'm mispronouncing that, who are mm-hmm. still like fighting for justice all of these years later, and it went all the way up to Congress. Like a congressman wrote a letter trying to change the policy to seek wow. to change the legislation that prevents the sample from being used but they haven't been successful yet. I mean a lot of these articles came out like last month so it's like a new development. To close, let's just finish this up. I got this information from the article by Susie Spencer who was an incredible journalist. I was like, "Oh my goodness, the, her article on this was amazing. It was written in March of 2018, but she like really went the extra mile because for those interested, and this is why Devin, I told you to wait till the end, the address and the place where the yogurt shop used to be is now a nail salon called Classy Nail Spa. And in the parking lot of that strip mall, there's a bronze plaque under an oak tree in the parking lot of the strip mall. And every day, like it's a plaque in honor of the four girls. And every day the employees of the nail salon leave a small tribute to the girls, like four apples or like donuts or coins, like always just like a little bit to let them know they're not forgotten. And this, like, really killed me. Every Chinese New Year, in Chinese tradition, they give the girls little red envelopes filled with money. And I was like, like, you know, like, that's what they give to their kids. And I was like, oh, my God. So like, I know, I cry. It was like, so sweet. And it's like, I just think it's, like, so nice that they, like, don't want their memories to be forgotten. And um, so if you ever go to Classy Nail Spa, apparently it's also, like, the top ten nail salons to go to in Austin. They were on a list. I've driven past there literally hundreds of times. Like, no way. Yeah, I, I did, I've never stopped at Classic Nail Spa, but, like, I go to, I've been to the Panda Express in the yoga studio on that same street. Right. Oh, my God, that's crazy. Well, if you guys ever go, if you live in Austin and you go, and even if you're in that strip mall, like, go past the plaque, like, give them, like, a few moments of silence, like, pay your respects, because something really terrible did happen there. The employees of the shop don't think that their spirits still exist, like, in the area. Like, they they don't feel, like, their presence or anything, but if you're into that kind of stuff. Think a little good thought. Right. Just, like, send some love to them and their families who are still out there, still grieving. Um, and one day, let's hope that it's solved. But that is the story of the Austin Yogurt Shop murders. And if you have any information that can help solve the case, please call the Austin PD tip line at 512-472-TIPS. T-I-P-S. I don't think we have a single listener old enough to know anything about this. Who's... We don't... I don't think that's true. Maybe they do. Someone was around in 91. Well, around, but 
like conscious and of sentient memory. <laughs> I think <laughs> that there are some people. Yeah, probably not. Maybe. Who knows? But anyway, that's the case. And no. I'm just like, those were the best notes I ever did. I just think it's such a crazy that case. Was incredible. I was riveted. I like that a lot. That was really good. Thank you so much to our listener who suggested the case. We like really appreciate okay. it. We love your suggestions. We like want people to know and care about the cases we cover. So like if you have one, let us know. Again, we got a bunch of suggestions. There are some we can't cover because they're too current. And if it's still ongoing, we have to like juggle with like the word alleged and stuff and we just like it's too complicated but it's just us speculation speculating about legal stuff we have no business speculating right. about exactly our background is in is not in that so but like we are totally open to suggestion especially if you like love a case but like don't know that much about it or like want to know more about it let me do the research for you because i have nothing to do at home <laughs> Okay, that was really, really interesting. Something else I know of my own accord is that there used to be a huge billboard on I-35, which I drive every single day, that said who killed these girls, and it's, like, right near my house. Oh my gosh, Devin, you're so right. Yes, I forgot to mention it. That must have been in my notes. I must have deleted it. But after, like, 10 months of no suspects, they put 20 of those billboards up all around Austin with the girls' faces on it that just said who killed these girls, which I just think, can you imagine, unless you're, like, a complete monster, which she probably, or she, I don't know who did it, probably was, to still live in Austin and drive around and see the victims' faces, like, to never come forward. I was like, you are a monster. I was, like, Austin's pretty great, but after that, I would assume they left the city. Like, there's no way they're just, like, hanging out waiting to get caught. Again, you don't know. Like, they might just be crazy bitches. I know. What, what, what was that movie about the three billboards? Three, three billboards, billboards outside. Which Missouri? Ebbing's. Ebbing's, Missouri. Missouri. That was about one girl's death. Is that a, that's based on a true story, though. Really? Yeah, it is. Yeah, All right. awful. Yeah. Three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, you're right. All right, friends. Well, that was our case for the day. Thank you so much for listening. We are going to finish out with a pep talk, which I am, for the record, just going to wing. So just, like, bear with me. True Keiko style. True Keiko style. But are you guys ready for this? So ready. So, I need some pep. I need some talk. I need to be hyped up. I don't know if it's going to hype you up as much as I just want people to, like, feel better. I, I need my heart to be warped. Okay. Warped. <laughs> I need my heart good and toasty. Let's get it going. All right. No, I just want everyone, I know that we're in a really scary time and I know people are thrown out of their routines and a lot of the time, a lot of people are thrown into financial hardship or they're away from their families and it's like really scary time to just like kind of be a human. Someone was telling me like 2020 was not their year and I was like, it's really not humanity's year and that's hard. Yeah. So, but I think that people should look at this as an opportunity, not just to one, like learn a little bit more about yourself and how you can adapt because you are so adaptable and I know that you're strong enough to get through this, but also, the kind of strength you can draw from your community. I think for me, the last couple of weeks have really shown me how easy it is in these days to like connect with people around you in a way that I, I was just like too busy to notice before. And I think that like taking the time to like reach out and like check in on a friend you haven't talked in talked to for a while or like donate some money to a small business if you have the money to do so or like, you know, like just trying to find a connection and a way to better the world. Like we could emerge from this like as a stronger population. And just on an individual level, this is like very important because I feel like what's going around is like everyone's like, hey, you're not doing as much. Like, time to write a book like time to lose 50 pounds like time to do something crazy and I am like totally that person who like tries to default to that but I have actually like tried to do the opposite and like trying to slow down and like get to know people and really connect and I found it so valuable so if you just feel like laying in your bed all day like forgive yourself that's okay like this is really scary and it's like very uncertain it's like a really hard time and no one knows what's gonna happen we just have to do our best to help each other out like try and improve the world for the people around us and for like the greater good and just like try and be kind like the be kind to yourself, be kind to your neighbor, like just try and do the right thing for not just you, but for your people at large. Yes. You know? <laughs> 
So yeah. we, we just want you to know that we're here for you and we love you. Everyone's, most people are in the same boat. And I think we all just need to like think about taking care of ourselves in addition to taking care of our communities. Like stay home, stay healthy, take care of people you know who are sick, but then don't be around anybody else. Like don't take four pallets of toilet paper away from the grocery store. Like if someone needs some eggs, like loan them some eggs, like call your grandma, call your friend from elementary school, like just like reach out and be kind. Exactly. Exist with other people in mind. Like have that in the back of your mind all the time. Yeah. yeah, Stay home. Telsco, any (laughs) thoughts? Um, No, I mean, I think making sure that in terms of, I know a lot of the, the motivation behind staying home is because of those who are most vulnerable and just keep in mind that anybody you meet could be. You know, like it's just you're, you're doing this for it might, it's a three or four week inconvenience for most of us, but it could mean the whole world difference to a lot of people. So and, and kind of to what Caitlin said, that it can be a really valuable time. Like it can be the one time you have a federally mandated reason to say no to plans. That's big. You, you know, it's like you can be a lot choosier about where you spend your time and with who with, obviously, <laughs> virtually or physically or otherwise. So, you know, a lot, a, lot, a lot of times to make thoughtful choices about how you want your life to be after everything goes back to normal. Like this is exactly I totally agree. Like this is hard. It could be an I it's, it, it's a privilege place I'm coming from to say it can be a learning experience but I think it's an opportunity to connect to help and also to ask for help and to know that like you can be that help for another person and hopefully someone will be that person to you but anyway we love you and we plan because I'm going to keep doing research because I'm bored as hell is to provide you with these weekly Sunday scary sister episodes and we just hope that this maybe hour however long this is going to be when it's over (laughs) it's something that was able to just take your mind off of it and something that was able to just take you out of your little world into a much scarier world moment but, <laughs> but i hope you also found something entertaining out of it we allowed you to, to take yourself out of it for a little bit because that is our goal yes this is our little escapism practice but anyway thank you that's the pep talk or just the the heart toasty talk and i just we just love you and we just we love that you listen and we like want to you to feel supported and if you just want to like message us on instagram we'll send you some love back we're like all experts at gassing people up so if you just need like a self-confidence boost we are like so good at that as like a group so just let us know but um, anyway, that's the podcast. If you like the podcast, we have downsized considerably since last year. So if you'd like to get in touch, please just find us on SoundCloud or Spotify or any of the listening platforms that we're on or our Instagram. We are still on Instagram at Crime Co. Podcast. And we'd love to get your DM. And um, something, we don't have a Patreon anymore because we can't put out re- episodes regularly. But we, Kelsey got a microphone. Devin's up next. Um, but if you wanted to donate money anywhere, we would really appreciate if you na- donated it to a small local business near you. Um, you can do it in your name, you can do it in our name, whatever you want. But just, if you like the podcast, like, throw 10, 15 bucks at a bar or, like... Or your local bartender that's out of work. Or your local bartender that's out of work. Just, like, tip your bartender, because you're going to be back up in there before you know it. But, um... an investment in yourself, so tip early, so they'll like you later. Yeah, (laughs) it is an investment in yourself. If bartenders like you, you will benefit. That's what we hope, and we hope you have a great rest of your week. We will be back next Sunday with a new case, so if you have a case in mind, please put it in our DMs, and um, we will talk to you soon. Oh, one last thing, sorry. If you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, or even if you don't, if you could go and give us a five-star review on iTunes, that would mean so much to us. We've gotten a couple low reviews, and I'm guessing it has a lot to do with our sound quality and possibly our lack of research, but that's not why we're here. We're here to have fun, and... um, but. With our we're hilarious. Yeah, obviously we're so funny. Like I, I just can't imagine that they would not like our personalities. We're adorable. 
so it can't be that. We're adorable but. and charming, exactly. But anyway, if you have good things to say, please leave us a five-star review. If you don't, we are obviously open to feedback, but, like, temper your expectations. Like I said, this is not our full-time job. We just like releasing this. But if you wanted to give us a five-star review, it takes ten seconds, and we'd really appreciate it. So oh, my much. gosh, we have the toast. <gasps> I forgot about the toast. All right, and now we're going to go because Kelso's going to toast us out. Bottles, drinks, up, ladies. To love that survives all distances. Oh my gosh. Love you guys. Love everyone. This was so fun. I miss doing this. I know. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, we will see you next time and have a great rest of your week. Okay. Love you. Bye-bye.